Hi, I'm Brittany Hoffman. And I'm Madeline Fitz. Welcome to Shifting Ears, the internal podcast that we're starting here at Valley Metro. Talking about all things transit, transportation, and everything you need to know about the agency, behind the scenes, and some upfront stuff you may not know about. Peter, it's the busy time of year. Everybody's scrambling around. It's holiday season. Are you ready for your kids for Christmas? I don't know what to think this year. I'm seeing a lot of things on the news and on the internet that people are saying, if you didn't stop now, you're out of luck. So I'm a little bit nervous this year with what's going on with shipping and all that kind of stuff. So to answer your question, not ready. And you have to buy for three girls. Are they specific about their Christmas list or is it like we just want X, Y, Z? Sometimes they're very specific, but sometimes I try to cater to, you know, their personalities. And we got three very different personalities. We have to be kind of going all over the store for, for shopping. And then we also got to get rid of them because you can't buy in front of them. And then it ruins all the magic. Yes. I was going to say, does your oldest know that Santa, spoiler alert, not real? I think she's kind of hip to it, to be honest with you. She seems a little more with it. I think, you know, she goes to school with older kids and I think they talk. So she's been asking me questions lately that kind of lead on like she's hip to what's going on. But her younger sister, who's only like 15 months behind her, totally in the dark about what's going on. She is very much a believer. And then, of course, we have the six-year-old. She's all about it. Right. And obviously, Christmas carols are already playing. KEZ turned their Christmas music on on November 4th, which, in my opinion, a little early. But Pumpkin Spice came out in August. So at this point... All is fair game. Holidays are now spreading all the way back into summer, it feels like. So I think Christmas is here. But today, in this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about the 12 accomplishments of Valley Metro over the past year. And it's so exciting. We kind of took our little own spin on the 12 days of Christmas and switched it up to talk about all the amazing things that are happening at Valley Metro and that have occurred during the past year. Are you ready for an honorable mention that didn't quite make the list? Let's get into it. Well, this year, when the Suns were on their fantastic playoff run, there was so much excitement, and there were so many people downtown being in the buzz of everything and feeling that excitement. We had someone who did the worm on the light rail. It was a pretty exciting time. That guy is a true Suns fan and a local hero. A local hero that needs to stay off the tracks with his sweet dance moves. We want to party and we want to celebrate, but we want to stay safe. But that guy's got some good moves. We just ask if you're um, feeling like doing the worm, do it in a place where you're not going to be run over by a train. <laughs> now, me, I'm a dancer. I know I like to get down and I like to boogie. But I don't think the light rail tracks is exactly where I'd, you know, start my dancing and my boogie moves. You don't want to cut a rug on top of the tracks. It gets a little dicey out there. Definitely. So we loved his enthusiasm, but as a reminder, no more dancing on the tracks. Number 12. So for number 12, Peter, we are talking about all the service improvements that we've had through Valley Metro. Because as an agency, when we do service changes, they're different changes for different cities, but overall the regional plan is what we're really trying to achieve and accomplish so that people can move about the Maricopa County region in a safe and quick way. The one that stands out to me the most is probably the Pogo service out in Peoria. I think 
the fact that they were able to spread their service area geographically and offer a free service is a great thing. It's a pretty new endeavor for them. So it's kind of, it hasn't hit the ground running, but it's starting to get its momentum going. And that should be something great to watch for the near future. Yeah. And when Pogo first launched, it was just one line. And then the pandemic happened and they had a chance to reassess, you know, what areas of Peoria people wanted to travel to. And now it's three lines. And so there's lots of more opportunities for people to travel. And it's a weekend service. So it's really catered towards going towards those, you know, pride of points in Peoria that people want to go to. And then another new service that we just started was the Route 515, which is an adaptation from the Route 514. And now people are going to get in and out of Fountain Hills a little bit faster down the Beeline Highway and connect with other places in Mesa. Instead of just being able to go to downtown Phoenix, now they have more transit options when they get off at the Gilbert Park and Ride. Yeah, anytime we extend our service, it's a good thing for sure. Every year, Valley Metro typically does a holiday party where we get to honor people with their years of service. And this year, we wanted to make sure that everyone gets the recognition they deserve for being with the agency for a long time. So why don't you kick it off and let us know who is celebrating their five years at Valley Metro. The following people have been here at Valley Metro for five years. Dave Zebra. Andrew Stewart. Scott Smith. Jennifer Ramirez. Linda Rabin. Ed Nyberg. Fernando Marin, Robert Lucas, Jason Liu, and Donald Harvey. Those are just some of the people who are honored for their five year. We'll be back to honor more later in the episode. Number 11. So Peter, obviously service is just one thing we do here at Valley Metro. But what about number 11? What are some of the cool things from Artsline? that you've been a part of that you want to talk about? So Artslide's been a super cool program. I think this is the first full year where we've had a feature spotlight artist and we've been able to rotate that out and have new artists every couple months. And I think that's been a, a really great showcase for the new artists to have this really cool and prominent wall. I feel like these artists are competing to have that prime real estate and they get some exposure and they get on the light rail and they're really exposed to a lot of cool things. So I think that's great. Getting different artists up on the Roosevelt Wall is amazing because you're getting diversity. You're getting new people. You're getting new faces. And that's what we saw in March was five women up on that wall. And that's great for women to see women portrayed as heroes. And these were all amazing women. And artist Heather Freitas really got to shine in this element by showing us this art on International Women's Day. Yeah, it was a great showcase for her, you know, to come out and, and pay homage to these women who had a big effect on her and her life. You know, strong women featured on, on the light rail and on the wall. And, you know, I'm a girl dad. I'm raising strong women at home. So this is very much within my wheelhouse. So it was really cool to see that. But the Roosevelt Wall isn't the only art project we do throughout the year. We have our Cool Stuff Transit Calendar, which features third graders from across the valley. Any third grader can submit their artwork to be in the Cool Stuff Calendar. And then in the high school level, we have Design a Transit Wrap, where their art actually goes on a light rail train and a bus for an entire year. That's amazing. And they win some cash. So that's always a plus. Yeah, and we had a great artist this year, a young woman 
from uh, Tempe High School. I kind of just poured my heart into it and I was really happy with the design. Ultimately, I just wanted something that could portray everyday people, aspects of Arizona, and just really bright colors to just have a good aspect of joy. We love our student art. This year, we actually just launched a public art campaign down the South Central Corridor. Different schools from the South Central area were able to submit artwork and they were put on banners because obviously construction can be, you know, not as pretty as most people would like. So we put these banners up showcasing the art of these students at the schools in the area so they can go and show their parents and family and friends like, hey, my art is up here. And they're excited about it because it's part of our construction project, but it's beautifying the area at the same time. This is the first year we're actually doing these kind of pop-up art banners for the construction sites. So I think it shows that we're trying to engage with the community and also keep the area looking, you know, somewhat decent during a hectic time. Definitely. And like you said, it was our first installation of pop-up down the South Central Corridor, but many more to come in the years ahead. So we're excited about that. Number 10. We're talking all about service. We're talking all about art. Let's get to the new and exciting things. This is just on the horizon. We just breached the barrier of autonomous vehicles. We recently wrapped up our study with Waymo, uh, which I think was a pretty beneficial study that we had working with them. You know, the future is autonomous. You know, everybody's really excited about this technology, and we've been on the forefront. Very few agencies have been able to work with autonomous companies to see where we can have that partnership between transit and uh, autonomous vehicles to help people uh, get to where they need to go. And this first mile, last mile program that we started really served a special population of people. And we really focused on our paratransit and ride choice riders because they're a group that needs the extra little bit of help to get to the transit places they want to go. And they're a great study group because they're telling us everything they need to know. And of course, this is an ADA population. So they're looking at things from a different scope and a different view. And they had great things to say about the Waymo program and the pilot that we launched. Yeah, the Waymo program offered uh, a lot of freedom to people who are most dependent uh, on, you know, on others for mobility. And that's something that transit does every day. But incorporating the Waymo partnership really helped us to uh, really extend that service to from door to door. And get excited because I've seen Waymos in the wild. That's what I like to call them when I see them out on the road. Because they've mostly been in the East Valley. But recently, I've seen lots of them in the downtown core area. So not only are we trying to expand our services, but they're trying to expand their service area. So hopefully in the future, we'll be seeing a lot more people taking Waymos to transit. Okay, Brady, we still have a few more people to get through who have been at Valley Metro for five years. We're honoring them, starting with Carolina Gutierrez, Ashley Groth, Thomas Fitzgerald, Deanne Emil, Stephanie Daniels, Jason Brown, and last but not least, Arisha Blevins. And kicking off our 10 years, James Thacker, Leanne Ottaway, Ricardo Garola, and Alicia Garcia. Congratulations for being at the agency for 10 years, a full decade. And then we're gonna come back with people who've been here even longer than 10 years. Number nine. 
So, Brittany, light rail is shown to have a large economic benefit within the corridor, but there's always an existing economy that has to acclimate to this difficult process. Uh, we have a new program that's helping these people get through a hectic time financially. This is an overall encompassing program. So it's not just here, take some money and we hope you get through this. It's really grabbing those businesses and partners by the hand and helping them through this entire construction phase. And so already for South Central Extension and Northwest Phase 2, we and the city of Phoenix has given out more than $300,000. What? That is amazing for the local economy and those businesses because they're able to stay in business, continue serving the communities that they did previously, and they get a little bit of extra boost. Well, that's the big thing, right? We want to keep our communities intact before and after light rail arrives. So to be able to aid these businesses and weather the storm of construction, you know, through this financial assistance program, I think is great. And if I'm not mistaken, we've dedicated in partnership with Phoenix, we've dedicated over $2.3 million. Peter, I'm just going to read you a note from one of the businesses. We've gotten tons of great feedback. And obviously, in Storylines Episode 1, we talked to one of the business owners. So check that out if you haven't. But this is Gabriel Sanchez, the owner of El Phoenix Bakery down in South Central. And he said, we don't have a lot of foot traffic right now. So any little help we can receive is huge for us. Thank you for finding us resources. And that's the thing. As the pandemic happened, it really also, you know, took another hit to these businesses. And so any help that we can provide and give to them to be partners now and in the future, I think is great for any light rail construction project. Number eight. Brittany. Peter. You know we're expanding, right? You're aware of this? Are we? We definitely are. We're going north. We're going south. We're going west. We got streetcar. Now, all this extra track means more vehicles, which means we got to expand somewhere else. You know where that is? Are you talking about the OMC? The Operation and Maintenance Center. That's correct. We actually got to go out, Maddie and I, and we talked to Josh Matthews, who was overseeing the project when it was first being constructed. And we got to check out different areas that were being expanded upon. But I have not seen the full and complete picture yet out at the OMC. I've seen a little bit here, a little bit there, but there is so much because, like you said, we're expanding. So they got to expand everywhere out there. So here's Josh Matthews on the expansion at the OMC and exactly just what they did to make it a little bit better. The first and most obvious is more storage track. So we need more space to park vehicles when they're not in service. The maintenance of equipment building, which if you're familiar with the OMC, is the bigger of the two buildings uh, at the OMC. And that's where we have the shop floor for the rail vehicles, as well as administrative office space operator rest areas, as well as spare parts and, and various other shop elements. That needed to be expanded. We needed to have more space to be able to work on vehicles. We needed more space for operators because obviously if we're going to double the number of vehicles that we have, we're probably going to double the number of staff that are going to be at that site. Other areas that came out with the maintenance of way building, which is holds the staff who go out and maintain the guideway, maintain the station platforms, the transit centers, the park and rides, the overhead catenary system with the wires that provide the electricity to the vehicles, the traction power substations that bring that electricity from the grid into our vehicles, 
most importantly, from an operator perspective, was we needed a completely new operator area. So when our operators come in to get their piece of work and go out on the system and operate our system, we have a, a whole area for them to come in, get their necessary equipment, to have their lockers where they can store their belongings, shower facilities, bathrooms, areas where they can take a break or rest. I got a chance to go out there. It's pretty awesome. I knew about the OMC Center. I knew how big it was before. So going back and seeing it now was pretty incredible. This was so important because, as you said, we have so much more expansion happening. We got to put vehicles places. They got to have places to work on those vehicles. So it's exciting to know that we are invested for the future and we are prepared for more expansion down the road. Number seven. Peter, do you know what else we expanded this year? What's that? Our footprint of podcasting. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this is not the only podcast we got. We're hitting those radio waves, internet waves from all angles. So this is episode 27 of Shifting Ears, which thanks for everyone for listening to all 27. And you can go back and listen if you haven't. But we also expanded to an external podcast. So there are writers and future writers and people in the area know what's happening at the agency. We're learning about transit funding. We're learning about electric vehicles. We're learning about what it's like to be in those small businesses while construction is happening. So if you haven't listened to Storylines, go check it out. Maddie and I started it off, but then she went on maternity leave. Thanks, Peter, for filling in because I definitely could have done it alone, but no one needs to hear me the whole time. No, I love talking about transit and transit related things. So it kind of worked out pretty well that way. So check out Storylines if you haven't, valleymetro.org slash storylines or anywhere you get your podcasts. And again, if you have ideas for this podcast or Storylines, email us at podcast at valleymetro.org. Brittany, look at this list. I'm so shocked to see how many people have been here for more than 15 years. This is amazing because they are the wisdom and the knowledge of the agency. They know this place inside and out. They are here celebrating 15 years. So let's kick it off with Mike Smith. Julia Saunders. Helen Romsberg. Susan Nunez. Dolores Nolan. Susan Myers. Judy Mitchell. Christopher Medina. Willie Marks Pearson. But that's not all. We're going to be back with one more group of people who have been here for a really long time. They are the backbone of the agency, and we are so glad to celebrate them. Number six. Peter, you talked about expansion at the OMC, getting new vehicles, planning for the future of track, but did you know we also got new express buses this year? I did know that, and these things are top of the line. Yes, I got a chance to go out on some of the first rides to check out how awesome they are and how smooth the ride is. We are lucky enough on the bus this morning to have Joe Bauer from the city of Phoenix. He was a huge helping hand in organizing all of the bus rerouting around Central Station and the South Central Extension Downtown Hub construction. So Joe, how is it on your very first ride on this new express bus? Quiet, I can't believe how quiet it is. Usually the 40-footers rattle a lot. You feel uh, much 
safer up here too than on the freeway. And safety is always important. Joe, how do you like the new features in the bus? Your personal lights and USB oh, ports? The, the light and the USB port are very handy, you know. I think people uh, on the longer commute trips, on the East Valley especially, and Surprise, they'll have a definite use for the USB ports. It'll be a, a pleasant addition yes. to the express routes. You can definitely feel the over-the-road features of this coach. I am just a little bummed that me, when I take a bus into work, I take a rapid, which they're cool, they're great, but they're not double-deckers like these new express buses we have. So I am a little bummed about that. I'm in the same boat as you or the same bus as you. Not literally. I also take a rapid from time to time. And yes, they are nice. But it's like, you know, when you get a new car and it smells so good and it's that cool new car and you have it for like a year and then your neighbor gets a new car and it's like, oh, man, now this thing isn't as cool as it used to be. I think it's kind of like that. A little envious. Exactly. So any express routes, you can hop on new MCI buses. They are sleek and snazzy. Number five. So we're down to our top five accomplishments for Valley Metro for the year. Are you ready for number five? I am. And I have a feeling I know what it's going to be about. We got some new vehicles arriving in both streetcar form and LRT form. Am I right? Yeah. Peter, can you tell me the difference between a streetcar vehicle and a light rail vehicle? You see, Brittany, under a vehicle, there are these trucks that hold the actual spinning wheels. And on the LRT vehicle, they're actually slightly larger than the ones they have on the streetcar vehicle, which is why when we did the OMC expansion, we had to have a different section for the streetcar because you can't go underneath the streetcar vehicle the same way you go underneath the LRT vehicle because the trucks are different sizes. Is that what you were asking? Well, I was going to say the paint scheme's different because the streetcar vehicles are green and the light rail vehicles are purple. And also... <laughs> They hold different capacity of people because, like you said, the streetcar vehicle is just a little bit smaller than the light rail vehicle, but they all go to the same home at the OMC. We've had light rail around for a while now, so streetcar, once it launches, it's going to be our snazzy new thing. But it's not just a brand new vehicle. It's really helping out a community in need. Another cool thing about that is streetcar is going to be offline on Mill Avenue, which is a new endeavor for the state, actually. And very rare, actually, for um, streetcar or light rail to have to come off of the contact wire, move through a segment, and go back onto the contact wire. Everyone should go check it out. 2022, it'll be open. Number four. I feel like we're just talking a lot about expansion and growing, and it's necessary. The Valley's growing. We're one of the fastest-growing states, counties, cities in America. So it's important that we're able to get more transportation. And how do we do that, Peter? Full funding agreements. Woo woo. Peter, we can't do anything without funding. And now we have the backing of the federal government to help us because they're willing to say, yes, they want to invest in our communities to make sure we can get around. It's always easier when you got Uncle Sam backing you up. So we're definitely happy for that. And Mayor Kate Gallego, she's obviously a huge proponent of transportation, having to use it herself previously. And so she is so excited about all things transportation and what it's going to do for her city and the communities. 
This is an exciting moment in our progress towards a more sustainable, equitable, multimodal transportation system as we sign the South Central Extension Federal Grant. Our future will be shaped by how we invest and expand our transit system, and we have already made great strides in the city of Phoenix. We have seen a total growth in economic development for the light rail corridor of approximately 14.4 billion in our county. 21 new vocational schools and community colleges have opened along the light rail corridor since light rail construction began. This extension will provide residents with direct access to education and workforce training opportunities. It's thrilling to see this grant agreement, which comes at a time when the investment could not be more important. We have been working toward this day for years and it is a personal passion for me because of the economic development, business, education, and community connections that Light Rail can deliver. Light Rail has demonstrated its ability to advance prosperity in neighborhoods and business zones it serves. For our final group, we have people who have been with the agency for 15 years, 20 years, and 25 years, Peter. That is so much history that they know about Valley Metro. Yep, and we're starting off with one of my favorites, someone I met, but one of my very first days here at the agency, Penny Lynch. Carol Ketcherside. Larry Joyner. Rebecca Johnson. Dina Hernandez. Stephen Henry. Joyland Gillingham. Rosalia Castro. And Mike Brady. Now on to the employees who have been here for 20 years. Nicole Myers. Gary Blanoy. And rounding it out, my boss, Susan Tierney, has been here for 25 years. And I have to say a big thank you to Susan because she has been a wealth of knowledge while I've been here. And she lets me do the podcast, which lets me talk. And that's my favorite thing to do. Congratulations, Susan, on a quarter of a century of service to the Valley Metro. And congratulations to all the employees celebrating their milestone years. I'm looking forward to getting my five years soon to come. Number three. We've been lucky enough that Secretary Pete, the Secretary of Transportation, has come twice to Phoenix in the past six months. He was here in July when he came and saw South Central Extension, and at that point, he was hot because it's July in Phoenix. Everyone's hot. But this time, he got to make big announcements around the infrastructure bill. We were here just a few months ago for Light Rail's uh, South Central expansion that we we're proud to be helping to fund. And now we're here to support another crucial project that's going to make life easier and create good jobs with the Northwest extension of Light Rail. And, and what we see is a community identifying transportation needs, developing smart solutions, standing up for its values, and investing local dollars in these projects. And now, with the largest investment in transit in history, the federal government is better positioned than ever to support with national resources. Communities will now have better and more affordable access to jobs, healthcare, services, downtown, and everywhere that Valley Metro reaches. And I want to point out the money saved on gas is money that you can spend on other things that your family needs and wants, and that is part of the virtue of public transit. It's exciting that we got to be part of his infrastructure tour He's really excited about this infrastructure bill, which we all should be. It's going to bring great funding to the Valley and especially to the Valley Metro Transportation System. We're thankful that Secretary Pete Buttigieg came out and was able to highlight the amazing things we're doing in the Valley to expand our transportation system. Number two. Peter, 
Mm-hmm. What are One you doing? Second. We're in the middle of a podcast. One second. I'm downloading the new Valley Metro app. That's number two on our list of Valley Metro accomplishments, the Valley Metro app. It's amazing that we were able to expedite our app. It's going to have mobile ticketing in the future. It's going to have rider profiles in the future. But we were able to get it out to our riders now during the summer to launch it so that people could track in real time their vehicles. I use it every single time I come to work so I know which train to take as soon as I leave the office. It's great. Not only light rail vehicles, but you can also track your buses. Peter, it's amazing to see the schedules and when buses are on time, sometimes they're delayed, but it's also good to know so you can help plan or let people you know at the end of your destination when you're going to be there. The Valley Metro app is helping tons of people. It gives rider alerts. It gets you where you need to go, when you need to go. So if you don't have the Valley Metro app, you're missing out. And this year's number one accomplishment by Valley Metro. As we know, transit agencies across the country had to cut service or limit service or make decisions that maybe weren't always well received by their communities. But here in the Valley, we've been able to keep our service levels high. We've been able to continue to serve our communities and enhance lives throughout this pandemic. And it's been amazing because we've seen our ridership grow back as the pandemic has kind of not subsided, but we've definitely become a new normal. And so we at the agency are so thankful that we've been able to continue this high level of service. And now we have a special message from the CEO, Scott Smith. Over the past year to year and a half, Valley Metro staff has risen beyond expectations. We have battled the challenges of the pandemic on both providing service and in building projects and have come through with flying colors. I'm so proud to be part of a community that actually believes in connecting communities and enhancing lives. Through all the challenges we've had, we've been able to not only show up, but we've produced. I congratulate all of the, the Valley Metro staff for work well done, for accomplishments that many times are unnoticed, but believe me, have a huge impact on our community. They make our lives better. They help us to uh, reach our goals and objectives, and they have a huge impact on families and individuals and on the community as a whole. So thank you to Valley Metro and its staff and the wonderful men and women who truly believe in connecting communities and enhancing lives. Peter, I just want to say thank you because Number one, you've put up with me for the past few episodes of Shifting Years, and that in itself is an accomplishment. I put up with you a lot more than just on these episodes, but thank you. You've also been a big help because interviewing people and getting this podcast together isn't an easy task. I also want to thank all the people that we don't normally hear from on the podcast, our OCS staff who put in so much time and effort to make sure that I sound good and you sound good for everyone to listen to on Shifting Years and storylines. Yes, thank you to everyone out there who makes the podcast great. And thanks for all the listeners. After the new year, Maddie's going to be back. We have brand new episodes on the horizon. We are stoked for another year of Shifting Ears podcast. And we hope that you'll stay tuned and listen. 
Thank you again for everyone who's listened to Shifting Years over the past year and the past 27 episodes. We're wishing all of you and your family and friends a warm, healthy, safe, and happy holiday season. For Valley Metro, I'm Brittany. And I'm Peter Valenzuela. Thanks for riding with us. We'll meet you at the next stop.